1: Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, Farmer, Braves reliever. Eric, how you doing, man?
2: I'm good. I'm good. A little ran, sore from I'm, your 5K? Yeah, man. I haven't ran. I ran three miles yesterday. I haven't ran distance in a while, and I feel like I got ran over by his truck. Did you win your H division? I don't even know. It wasn't even recorded or anything. I would have definitely lost. I was trying to keep up with this uh, lady who's probably 60 was- <laughs> you want her age division. That was my pace runner.
1: <laughs> oh. Uh well, the off season is going about as slow as we thought it would. Actually the Braves have made a couple of moves, uh minor things early. Uh the Smiley thing was pretty big. We'll get to that in a little bit. Drew Smiley, I think that was a good move. We'll get to that. Um uh, the big news, I guess, right now has been both the Hall of Fame ballot being released and Someone who probably had a real good shot at the Hall of Fame no longer having a shot because Robinson Cano, man, is kind of an idiot. Any way you look at it,
2: ah, uh, I can't. I just, I, I, man, I, I heard that news and I just stared at the wall for like forty five minutes, trying to think like him, <laughs> trying, trying to think what the thought process was behind, you know, whatever he's taking. It's November. That's not going to last till spring training anyway. But just, I just don't understand. I couldn't come up with any reasoning for why that, why he would do that at this point.
1: In case anybody missed it, Robinson Cano, the Met's second baseman, 37 years, 38 years old now, actually turned 38, 38 in October, um, tested positive for a steroid. And I was told it was like a kind of a, a Basic. old school steroid yeah. too. Really? It was like one that, uh,
2: Stenazolol, I think it's called.
1: Yeah. That Palmero had used back in the day when he got caught, uh, like 15 20 years ago it was used but this is the second test positive test for Kano. he tested positive for a diuretic before years ago and that was a masking agent for steroids so that was considered to be the positive test too so he knew that if he tested positive again what the penalties would be and all that and still chanced it <laughs> and he still did it and he's 38 years old and a guy if you look at his if you look at his his stats uh I think I, eight time All Star, five time Silver Slugger, two time Gold Glover, uh, All Star MVP. Uh, He, this is a guy that finished top five MVP, which is something I really look at, five times. And top 10, one, two, three, four, five, six times, and a 17. This is a guy probably headed to the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. This is, I would have voted for him. 303 average. Well, I probably wouldn't have because of the first positive test, but the point is, a lot of people would have, and his stats are Hall of Fame worthy. 303 average, 844 OPS. As a second baseman, 334 yeah. homers and 1,302 ribbies. Uh, I mean, across the board, 571 doubles. Uh, this is a guy that uh, was probably Hall of Fame bound, if not for the steroids. But now a second test, forget it. Even people that would have been leaning on a first test are probably not going to be now. I, I don't think he even you uh, know, be like Gary Sheffield now, who has Hall of Fame numbers, and he uh, didn't even have a positive test. People still won't he? vote
2: for him. Yeah, he had the
1: connection, though. He had the he connection. Had a connection. Yeah, basically admitted using it, the bonds, the cream, and said he didn't know what it was, but. He hasn't even got like thirty percent, barely thirty percent of the, and he's got Hall of Fame numbers. Gary Sheffield, slam dunk. So Cano can kiss that goodbye now. As far and his reputation is just ruined.
2: Yeah, I just I, like I said, I just don't understand the motive unless it's something that he's done. And that's kind of what it makes you think when a guy's still willing to like that's the only way he knows. You know, it's the only way you know how to do it is is with right. this assistance. And that's kind of what it makes you think. Right. Um, I don't know, you know. I I I always feel so naive because I think the testing's so good and the penalty's so harsh and what it does to your reputation. That like I'd never risk it, you know. Unless if someone told you one hundred percent, there's zero chance you fail, then you find out, you know, what guys are kind of crazy. But with with the chances that you would fail and they'd catch you, I don't know how anybody can chance it in today's game. And so I always think the game is pretty clean. And then you always find out, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I wind up looking stupid every year. I have this conversation with friends and tell them, I don't think really anybody's doing it. And <laughs> then a guy like Robinson Cano with nothing to gain from it, right. you know, at this point, except he already you know,
1: has his contract, everything. He's, he's got two years left.
2: One. He's got yeah. two, three years left. You know, I mean, there's, there's nothing to gain for him here other than, you know, just stroking his own ego and and he's still willing to chance it and gets popped.
1: This is a guy that, had his career high 39 homers in his age 33 season. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, all of a sudden you start looking at all the stats and going, okay, what would he have done without it? Was he doing it most of his career, whatever? It's kind of like a rod, you know? I mean, you don't know how much of a rod's career was fake, you know, or how much it was enhanced. Yeah. Some people think he was doing it since high school in Miami. You know, we just don't know, but, when you get popped a second time, you can make excuses for the first time for the masking agent, and some people will buy it too. But second time, nobody's buying it now. Now you're just looked at as a guy that had to do it to be good, which is, you know,
2: you, you. Uh, you, you risked made, you it made for whatever. You shit token, ton of money. You sense. get your money, but you're not getting in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think most people take the money anyway, and that's probably the logic. But
1: And he's already got the money, you know?
2: He's made over two hundred
1: million dollars.
2: That's what I'm saying. You know, I get it when it's a guy like. We had Melky in uh, 2010, I think it was, and he just revived his career. He could, well, he did. I mean, if you think about it, he 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 was—he was. He couldn't do anything with us in Atlanta. He just looked—he looked big and slow. Didn't look as athletic. He wasn't hitting. And then he went to Kansas City the next year, and he looked like Bo Jackson going first to third. And we, yeah. you know, we all kind of were looking at it like, all right, this is a little fishy. But I know, you know, he's good friends with Kano, I'm pretty sure. But we were looking at it like this is not looking right. And sure enough, he got popped a year or two later. But, you know, what I've heard is that, I mean, this is just me talking to guys. I don't have any source here, any real info. But what I've heard is that they, these guys have this protocol they can follow where the dosage is just under the amount that mm-hmm. triggers a, a a failed test. Uh-huh. And if they follow the protocol their doctor gives them, they, they can beat the system. You know, it's, it's a dose that if you take it at a certain time of day by the time they test you, you know, and you have these windows where you know, you're not going to get tested. You go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, you know, you got 10 hours before they could test you. Mm-hmm. So they, they have these ways where they can kind of manipulate it beat it. But if they get sloppy and mess up their protocol, they can fail. And I think that's kind of what's happened with all the guys that have gotten caught. They just got a little sloppy with their protocol.
1: Well, it makes you uh, (laughs) – you raise an eyebrow now. You look at his numbers this year. He's age 37 season, right? He hits 316. (laughs) He had not hit over 303 since uh, his age 31 season in 2014 when he hit 314. So, you know, he goes from hitting 256 in 2019 to hitting 316 this year. OPS in 736 with 13 homers in 107 games in 2019, to OPS in this year, 896 with 10 homers. I mean, you know, it just don't make any sense. And you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, now he got a lot of that. He had a great year. Maybe he's looking at, what can I do in a full year? Yeah, Maybe I can get to four homers before this contract's up.
2: 400, yeah. Well, But you look at the year after he got popped. He got popped in 2018, Mm -hmm. came back and hit 256. So, you know, that might have been him trying to do it. Clean, natural, you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of how it looks when you look at it. Which, which just is by his the lowest numbers batting average of out. his career. Yeah.
1: The year after he got popped. <laughs> that didn't help much, did it? His case and his lowest OPS since uh 2008. Anyway, enough about Robinson Cano. Um, the Mets, while we're on the subject, have a new owner and he is the richest individual owner in baseball now. Now, if you look at like he just Malone, got twenty
2: four million richer too.
1: Yes, he did. He saves that twenty four million of Robinson Cano's contract. Some yeah. people ask me, does Cano still get paid? No, he does not get paid for this for the season. He's suspended. Um, Cohen, their owner, is worth about fifteen billion. Uh, the only guy I think in baseball that would be higher would be uh, Liberty Media's uh, chief or the head, but he's a uh, Malone of Liberty media is worth far more than that, but it, it, the, the team's owned by Liberty, not by Malone. Malone doesn't spend his money on the Braves, So this kind of apples and oranges. So he's not really even comparable, you know, it's a corporation that owns the Braves. So really Cohen's the richest guy in, in the sport now. And a lot of people are looking at it. Like the rest of the NLT East teams might be a little, should be a little concerned because yeah. I know the Mets have found a way to Mets it all year after year after year. You know, but they've got kind of, I don't want to say unlimited resources, but they've got a lot more resources now than they've had in a long time since before the Bernie Madoff scandal. Um,
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of what kept them. I mean, that crippled them, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for years. That hurt them for years. You know, and being second fiddle to the Yankees all these years, you know, the new guy comes in. We've talked about this last week how he didn't experience this, the hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars in losses like all the other baseball owners did last
2: year. He's no. coming in this
1: fresh. He just bought a yeah. team. No,
2: he to so got doesn't some have fantasy those baseball vibes going. Right. Like, this is just fun for him.
1: And he's talking and tweeting with fans. You got to yeah. think he's going to come in and make a big splash. I could see them going out and doing a thing like, I mean, if they're smart, they'll go out and get a guy like Lindor or something, you know, uh, a huge piece because why not you got a chance man you got a chance to make an impact while the other teams are kind of licking their wounds and uh pulling back a little bit from the losses of financial losses last year
2: yeah i mean it's that's that's kind of why i think the part of me thinks it might be really hard for the Braves to sign Ozuna back is because yeah. this guy was just going to be playing by a different set of rules
1: yeah yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things working against the Braves with Ozuna. As long as the DH is undecided, now if the DH is decided, that helps obviously because if you're the Braves, I think you got to be a lot more inclined to go all in, or
2: you know you're still not going to get in a huge
1: bidding war for him.
2: No, because if they go- want him, they're going to get him. That's kind of what I'm saying. Is it's, it's, it's right if, if this guy wants to, he can go as high as he wants.
1: Our AL team decides. You know, he's our DH. That's the guy yeah. we're going to build a, build our lineup around. You know, the Braves yeah. lineup is built around Freddie Freeman. Yeah. there might be some male team. The Tigers might say, "Hey, he's our new Miggy." You know, you never just yeah. never know. Um, so it's going to be interesting. He changed his agents. Uh, uh, Ozuna did because he's going to get serious this offseason. season. <laughs> 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 uh, so nothing new to report as far as the DH. There's still not even a word on when it might be decided. I mean, maybe they've discussed it, like when they might you know get together on this, but so far neither the players or the owners have said they've given any indication when they're going to talk about this. As far as I know, I haven't read anything or heard anything. So that kind of handcuffs the brakes, uh, real quick on the hall of fame ballot. Um, why don't I just go through these names real quick and you just, you want to give me a yay or nay real fast?
2: You up sure. for that? So, but I think everybody's a hall of famer.
1: <laughs> uh, take off your player hat and just look at them, you know, and, and, and your friends hats and all that. And
2: just I kind try. Of go, I'm
1: because All it's right. different this year. We don't have the slam dunk first ballot guys we've had for years. All that backlog is kind of out now on guys that deserve to be in the hall, but kept getting kind of left off because there were so many ahead of him, like first ballot guys. So, and then we cleared the first ballot guys. We cleared the backlog. Now we're left with a lot of guys that are kind of some on the fence, some steroid, a lot of steroid guys. Uh, and a couple I think are really deserving at least a couple. So, but let's go through here. You, you okay? Just real quick, Bobby Abreu.
2: Man, uh, no, but
1: no for me. <laughs> that I, I, I hear you. Bobby Abreu's a damn good player. Yeah. Underrated.
2: That's why I struggle so much because you look at the numbers he put up and how long he did it for. It's oh, Hall of Fame is tough club to get into.
1: Barry Bonds, nay for me. Steroids. Everybody knows why I don't vote for him.
2: I say yeah, and my my thought is that all these guys should get in because it's, it's an era of history. I, I kind of want acknowledged, but they shouldn't get anybody caught cheating. Shouldn't get a ceremony. You should just get put in and half your ballot should talk about your steroid history. You know, when you, your plaque should have steroids written on it.
1: Yeah. Mark Burley. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I agree with you. I shouldn't say yet. Uh Yeah. He's a, Really good pitcher, kind of right below borderline to me. He is a borderline guy, but right below it to me. Uh, but he's going to give a I think of dominance,
2: a you know. I think of just dominance.
1: Yeah, exactly. He wasn't dominant. He was just good for a long time. Yeah. long time. Yeah. AJ Burnett, no. Nope. I, although I watched him throw a, a nine walk, one hit batter, no hitter. I covered that
2: <laughs> well that's that sums it up though
1: exactly man <laughs>
2: it's like he could do some crazy stuff but he was yeah. he
1: was a damn good pitcher he had some he had a nasty uh knuckle curve he called it uh but yeah he threw a nine walk one hit batter no no hitter at San Diego where about six innings in I had to put my popcorn down and go oh shit I gotta write a story <laughs> it, was,
2: that's, it was yeah
1: <laughs> this East Coast time you know and they were holding the presses because I thought you know. No way this guy's going to last. He's got like two runners on each each inning or bases loaded every inning. But he kept getting out of jams.
2: Ubaldo Jimenez um, did that against us in, I think, 2009. Yep. And we yep. got to about the seventh or eighth inning before we even realized we were watching yep. a dominant start. And then it was a no-hitter.
1: Amazing thing was A.J. did that. Nine walks, one hit batter, I think about seven strikeouts, no hitter. And he did it in like 129 pitches. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> Whole lot of whole lot of first pitches put in play on the ball on the ones that weren't walks or strikeouts.
2: Yeah, it must have been.
1: Uh, Roger Clemens, same thing before with Bonds for me. I guess the same thing for you.
2: Yeah, I okay. say I I say put them in and just talk about their you know it, not not a glorified thing where you put them in and, and honor them, but almost just. This is one of the highest level baseballs ever been played at, especially with bonds. The baseballs never been played at a higher level. So put them in and just talk. No, I don't. You know. I
1: don't. I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, he was the greatest player I ever saw. But yeah. I just don't. I'm not going to vote. I'm, I just draw the line, and I'm not going to vote for cheaters. And the thing is, all right, guys I know did steroids, or in yeah. my mind, I know. And people go, "How do you know he didn't do it?" I go, "I don't know he didn't do it. Maybe but he, didn't he get did." Caught. <laughs> but here's one that I know did. Okay. Yeah. And and I will agree with those who vote for him because they say he was a Hall of Famer before Without he started it. doing them. I totally agree. In Pittsburgh, before he started doing roids, yes, in Pittsburgh, was the best player in the game for about three or four years and and arguably was a first ballot Hall of Famer before he became a steroid home run hitting freak. Nevertheless, I'm not going to vote for a guy because he did cheat and he screwed a lot of people out of jobs and their livings because of it. You know, other players. Yeah. Other you know people that got you know, screwed because of it. So, and by yeah, I comparison.
2: I guess, you um, know, it's also just hard to tell when somebody started because if you told me you look at Cano's career, who knows?
1: Oh, I know. Some guys you are know. right. I Some guess guys, that,
2: that's a good point too. Uh, Bonds, it was not
1: hard to tell when he started. No, he gained was like, like 40, 40 pounds 40 of muscle <laughs> and his head
2: grew seven hat sizes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was when he went from 185 pounds looking like uh, Hank Aaron to looking like, uh, <laughs> like a, a middle linebacker.
2: He looked like a professional wrestler. A
1: bodybuilder. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Um, Michael Kadiar, no. No. Dan Heron, no. Latroy Hawkins, I'm sorry.
2: Nope.
1: Latroy Hawkins, no. Todd Helton, yes for me. I say yes. Okay. I mean, his numbers, I know you can say Coors Field, uh, disparity home road, but this guy was a dominant hitter for a long time, face of the franchise, and had good numbers on the road too, just not you know like he did at Coors Field. Uh, it wasn't as close as like uh, Larry Walker, right? But my God, the numbers Todd him put up. Ooh. Uh Tim Hudson. He's a borderline guy. Yeah. You know I I, I I I try to put myself outside of knowing him and watching him and knowing how good he was because I saw so many of his starts, and God, he was a tough dude. You know, and he was so big for the Braves for a long time when they didn't have a whole lot else. Um, I would tend to go no, but, you know, it's not a slam dunk for me. I almost like would give him a vote just to keep him on a ballot for a while to let him, you know, to, so that we can continue to look at him. Maybe his case yeah. changes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You hate seeing guys fall off when, you know, guys that fall off because some guys linger on it that aren't deserving at all. And this guy did have, was really good for long. If you look at his numbers, there aren't going to be many more guys that ever win 220 games like he did.
2: No. No. And have
1: that winning percentage with it. It wasn't like he lost 200.
2: No, he 625. Had a great winning percentage. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So he's interesting. Torrey Hunter, that's an interesting one, too.
2: That's where defense is. You yeah. Know, it's nine gold gloves. Yeah. What do you think? I say no, but I would want him. I'd be real happy if he was, you know.
1: Right. So maybe you vote to keep him on a ballot.
2: Yeah, I mean, he no, 350 he's homers. He's kind of like Andrew, though. Kind of you know, like where a, if, I, I think, him,
1: it, almost like a poor man's Andrew. Same thing.
2: Yeah, if, if you watch him play every day, you know, I didn't see Tori play that much because I was in the National League, and mm-hmm. and when I did see him play, he was he was getting older. But a guy that wins all those Gold Gloves, I mean, I think you. That's where I feel like the testimony from guys that played against him, you know, right. year in, year out, and teammates and stuff like that should really be taken into consideration. Because when I hear the testimony from teammates of Andrew Jones, like it leaves no doubt in my mind.
1: Right. Exactly. I think most people say similar things about Torrey. They don't say he's the greatest center fielder ever, like they do Andrew. That's and why I should... when I hear that,
2: I'm like, he's got to be in that.
1: Right. And I shouldn't say poor poor man's Andrew Jones because that's that's kind of slapping the face of Torrey Hunter. He's better than that. I mean, he's a damn good player uh, who's probably going to get a lot of votes. You know, I I don't think he gets, he won't get in for a while at least, but he's a guy that I think people will consider. And I wouldn't have a strong disagreement if if he got in at all. I mean, I can see it for the same reason Andrew did. He's like got a lot higher average than Andrew, lesser. Uh, lesser home runs, more RBIs, I think, Uh, similar stolen bases, one less gold glove, but he clearly was not Andrew defensively for that decade that Andrew dominated, but he was damn good. I don't know. And everybody says great guy, Torrey Hunter that played with us. Oh
2: yeah. I've interacted with him like twice and he made me laugh both times, just walking by in a hallway. Andrew
1: Jones. Yes. I voted for him every year. Yeah. Jeff Kent. I vote for him. Yes. I don't like his personality. And I know he was divisive with on some teams, and I know his defense wasn't great, but his numbers are overwhelming for a second baseman. To me, he's he's a, he's a Hall of Famer for sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's that, it's, that's just the you know, personality clause that sometimes gets yeah. thrown into it. It's just it shouldn't be a thing.
1: Andy Pettit needs no steroid. The steroid thing plus his numbers are just not terrific. I mean, not slam dunk Hall of Famer, but the steroid thing bothers me.
2: Yeah, I'd say no on him too. Just, just I don't know. I mean, his, some of the stuff he did in the playoffs and, and playing for that team and handling that pressure, I really you know respect. But yeah, the, the pure dominance, I didn't think was there.
1: Great, great postseason pitcher, no doubt. Yeah, Aramis Ramirez, no. no. Manny Ramirez, steroids, no.
2: I think Manny. I Twice. mean, it's same, the same concept for me. It's just you, you put him in and don't honor him. But yeah.
1: Scott Rowland, yes for me.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: There you go. Kurt Schilling, uh Jeff Kent, but a far worse personality. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say how much I disagree with Kurt Schilling outside of baseball with everything he says politically, uh with the the stuff he says uh, that just everything. You guys know the controversies. Um I d- can't disagree more with him and 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 with his personality. Hate I just him. think he's I can't stand him, man. I can't stand the things he says. But he is, to me, no doubt a Hall of Famer, and I vote for him. Yeah, I agree. And I'm voting for him. Gary Sheffield. uh, I said last week, second greatest player I ever covered, all-around player behind Chipper. Don't vote for him. because I don't vote for him because, unfortunately, the steroid thing. But I think –
2: What was the story with him and steroids? Because I didn't think he uh, failed
1: the test. He worked out with Barry and used the same cream that Barry did, the steroid cream. Got it shipped to him, and, some, and that was discovered. And then later he basically said, you know, I didn't know what it was. He didn't deny using it. He just said, I didn't know what it was. Uh, oh, that's a tough I one because I, I, I believe that. I hate not that. voting for him. I hate not voting for Gary Sheffield because he was so great. But I can't – to me, it's just hypocritical. I can't not vote for him. I mean I can't not vote right. for Barry Bonds. and, and I, ha- I can't – you know what I mean? If I know a guy did steroids, I'm just not going to vote for him, and that's just the way I am. But I totally understand people that would say, you know, I, this guy to me it wasn't as uh, wasn't proven, or this guy, you know, was a Hall of Famer before he did them. I don't. I'm not going to argue with other people. They can have their own standards and whatever. That's cool. But that's just me.
2: I wonder if there was ever a year though in in his, I guess 2000, he hit 43 homers. Three twenty-five. I mean, that, that same time frame where he kind of admitted to using it, his numbers did yeah. spike a little bit.
1: Yeah, he went from great to bonds great. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's tough. I I always look at guys too when they're like thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, and still yes. look the same as they did when they were twenty-five. And it's one of two things, you know, it's either cheating or just uh, they're just gifted from God. Like Billy Wagner, there's no doubt in my mind that he was just. Gifted, you know, yeah. from from the moment he was born to throw a baseball. Because when that's he played with us in that. 2010, he was still throwing 98 and could have kept going. Country you know that, strong. yeah, just just special. So, I mean, I think Sheffield's like that too. But yeah, I guess if you admit it, you know, there's no way telling. I'd still put him in because he's got the numbers.
1: Yeah. Well, at least he didn't deny using it. You know, yeah, to be, score some points there. Uh, unlike. The next guy on the list, Sammy Sosa, Nope. negative.
2: <laughs> and he's the only one where I'd say, like, it was so obvious with him. That, you, you know, maybe, maybe, because the rest of these guys were pretty damn good before they got associated with it. But right. Sosa, it seemed like that might have been the whole deal. His
1: whole, his whole thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like Mark McGuire. I hate to say it, but, I yeah. mean, Mark McGuire, you look at his body, how his body changed when he got to the majors after, you know, You know, in college, for instance, look at pictures of that guy. Yeah. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah. Well, like Sosa went from 25 to 35 a year to 66. Oh, yeah.
1: He was ridiculous. Ridiculous.
2: You know, that's when you do that, and that the heart of his numbers that that really make him qualified is from 98 to 2002. He's hitting 60 homers a year. You know, then you look at (laughs) when you're looking at the big picture and you take out those five years, you know, maybe he's not. He hit 292 uh, homers in 5 years. <laughs> that's normal. that's a whole career. <laughs>
1: uh, Nick Swisher, the excitement, uh Hall of Fame? Yes, Mr. Excitement. Yeah. Mr. Not Positive. Hall the Hall of Fame? No. No. Shane Victorino, the Flying Hawaiian. Love him. Not yep. a Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh Omar Vizquel I a lot of people say he was the greatest, or not the greatest shortstop, but the most stylish shortstop, I'll agree. Spectacular. Um, uh, he played forever, more innings than anybody ever at the position, and made some unbelievable plays, highlight reels off the charts. To me, offense counts for something, and he was not a good hitter, and I don't vote for him.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one for me. How? Yeah. What what do all the, the the war numbers and all that stack up with a guy like Viscale?
1: His war's not great. Like Ozzy Smith had like 70 some war, and Viscale was like 40 some.
2: Oh, he's 45. So I yeah. wonder what I just you I, know, I like looking at it from that angle out. too, just to see. But yeah. I don't know, playing that kind of defense for that long for I mean twenty four look, look years. At his numbers, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say I no. Mean, Great to have, though.
1: Uh, Yeah. Boy, he made some plays. He was fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Two more. Billy Wagner. Yay. Yes. I vote for him. More dominant than Trevor Hoffman. (sighs) I don't understand how
2: there's a debate.
1: I don't either. And and I don't understand why he hasn't had like over 30-some percent. Because if you just line his numbers up with Trevor Hoffman, the only thing Trevor did was pitch like another four years. Yeah. But Jesus, Billy did it for like 16 years. That should be
2: enough. <laughs> As a relief pitcher, that's got to be long enough. But you his, know, sta- I, I,
1: his stats are just so much better than Trevor's in most in most every meaningful category.
2: But that's the dominance I'm talking about. Like there, yeah. There's never been a hitter alive that saw Billy Wagner on the mound and got excited. For 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 sixteen years, you know, nobody wanted to face the guy, and he dominated. Yeah. And if you looked at how much he was dominating in two thousand and ten with us, like yeah. that's yeah. who he 30, was. Thirty eight. Especially, you know, another thing too when when it comes to to pitchers that pitched in the steroid era. Uh huh. You need to get a big bonus for that because hey, that's yeah. the toughest it's ever no been to doubt. pitch.
1: And he was during the whole steroid era, the whole the time of his career,
2: the whole time. Yeah. And, Good point. And, you know, knowing for a fact he was clean when we played together in 2008 or 2010, and uh-huh. he was still throwing 98 with the most disgusting slider you've ever seen. You know, for me that him still being able to do that, regardless of if he, I don't, I don't think there's ever been any association with him and no. steroids anyway. None. But there is no doubt in my mind that guy did it all clean.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. I think he's going to get a big jump this year uh, with a lot of those guys off the ballot. You know. I think he'll get a big jump. I think Andrew will finally get a big jump, but it's criminal that Andrew's percentage is so low that, that some people are still voting. I think purely on batting average, you know, which in this day and age, that should not be a, a big factor for a power hitter. His on base percentage was not good, but it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, he had a higher on base percentage than say Hawk Andre Dawson, my favorite player of all time. You know, yep. Hawks in, but.
2: I just, you know, with him, if 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 people say he's the best I've ever seen do something that right. played a long time in the game and he wasn't, you know, Fiskell, like you're looking at his numbers offensively. Andrew hit a lot of home runs. How many home runs did Andrew hit?
1: 400 and. Yeah. 430 some or whatever. You got it in front of you?
2: I'm pulling it up.
1: Oh yeah, four hundred and twenty some, four hundred thirty some.
2: Four hundred thirty-four homers and playing yeah. and playing the best center field anybody's ever seen. You know, and I mean, postseason I know. stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, just the gold—ten straight Gold Gloves. Come on, man! It just how many times guy, has that even been done? And so much of the fall off, not by many people other than say Brooks Robinson and a couple of pitchers like Maddox and Cott. Arenado's going to do it. He's got eight right now. He might do Mm. it. He should do it. Um, And so much of his fall-off, drop-off, you know, I'm not making excuses for him. I guess I am making excuses. But his fall-off when he went to the Dodgers to sign that contract, I was told that he played the last couple years with the Braves especially. And then when he moved, or when he went on, he was playing with banged-up shoulders from all those catches that he made. Yeah. All those years of it, it caught up with him. And I think the weight gain had a lot to do with that too. You know, playing hurt, you know, Murph played the last five, six years of his career or eight years of his career, banged up. He should have stopped playing, but he wanted to keep playing. And, uh, you know, Andrew, I'm sure still thought he was a, a, a great outfielder, even when he was, you know, overweight and, you know, or they could still hit home runs when they moved him to DH. But, you know, a lot of that fall off was from being hurt and playing hurt you know, from being running into walls and making those ridiculous catches that he made all those years diving, coming in and landing. Man, if you land like he did yeah, those diving catches going forward, I don't know how you don't hurt your shoulders doing that, you know, once every game.
2: Well, that's something a lot of people didn't know about Ichiro, and they didn't, they never noticed is Ichiro didn't dive.
1: Yeah. He
2: yeah, didn't dive. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're not going to find a clip of Ichiro diving. He, he would only do a slide or try to run through the ball, but – I mean, you you almost have to consider that with Andrew playing the way he did and and covering that ground. And and that's part of why I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to see Acuna out there in center field too much because it's exactly you're all over the place and and involved in so many more plays. But like you look at a guy like Ichiro and and he put up his numbers and always stayed healthy and did everything, but he didn't dive. And that was something that. Um, pitchers would criticize him for a lot because balls would get down and his reasoning was he was faster if he ran through it. But, you know, a lot of guys would say he was afraid to get hurt. He wouldn't sell out for the team, things like that. Um, I didn't, I didn't know the difference. He was so fast, but uh-huh. yeah, but you watch stuff like that and you, you think if a guy played his ass off and got so beat up diving around and, and becoming the best center fielder anybody's ever seen. And that was the price he had to pay, then I mean, it's hard to dock him for it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a great point about each row. I never even thought about that. But, never seen him but dive.
2: Look at him play till in his forties. Yeah, because you know? he was careful with Healthy. his body. Yeah.
1: Um, but man, if if I would say go out and try to do it yourself, but people will break their you know their backs <laughs> yeah. if they do. But if you can imagine doing what Andrew did, and a lot of times he was playing on that turf like in, in Montreal all those years. Uh, some places still had turf when
2: he started his yeah. career. Well, that's what killed um, Griffey, the turf yeah. in the, at the Kingdom.
1: And, and Andre, Andre Dawson. But if you do what Andrew did, and you dive, and you make a diving catch with both your hands out, and you're landing on your your oh, chest man. and your arms extended, the 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 stress that that puts on your limbs, your shoulders. I mean, I, God, he must have been sore every day when he woke up the next day.
2: Man, we, we rented a bounce house on, on Halloween, and I jumped in that thing with my kids for 25 minutes maybe, and the next day I couldn't walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like you think about doing that on a hard surface for yeah. at, for your living. I mean, it's – I don't know. I mean, I just I, – if somebody says he's the best center fielder they've ever seen, somebody like Terry Pendleton or Eddie Perez, guys that have been in the game forever, and he hit 434 homers, I don't, I don't know what the debate is.
1: Eric, let's hear from today's
0: sponsors. Requires high-speed internet. Connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: I'll share this with you now. I was going to write this. Uh, I was talking to Terry Pendleton last week um, for uh, for the Freddie Freeman story, and we got to talking about Andrew. And I'm trying I'm to scrolling down here to my notes. What he said? Uh, oh, we were talking about Pache. Yeah, because a lot of people comparing Pache to Andrew and John Smoltz said on the, you know, when I have his way on the on the playoff broadcast to say, I don't I don't think we should put that pressure on him. To, it's not really fair to compare him to Andrew, who's the best I've ever seen. And Terry said, I agree with Smoltz, you know, because he's seen Pache. Terry's seen Pache play a lot in the minor said the guy's done some unbelievable things. But it's not fair to put that comparison. It's not fair for him or for Andrew. Or Andrew. Yeah. But here's what TP told me. Great story. Um, he said uh, he was having a conversation with Andrew in uh, San Francisco, TP, when TP was coaching. Willie Mays, the Willie Mays, <laughs> comes over and says to interrupts, you know, his nose TP, comes over, starts talking to him, and says to Andrew Jones, unsolicited, you're the best I've ever seen.
2: Okay, that I mean just write that write that out and, and that should be his ticket to the Hall of Fame <laughs> right there. fucking Mays, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh yep. man. Yeah. That had to and give it, him chills.
1: Oh my god. And that's what TP said. You know, when, when I hear Willie Mays say that to Andrew Jones, that's all I need to hear right there. Yeah. He said here's the quote exactly. He said, "If Willie Mays walked up to him and I heard him tell Andrew Jones and Frisco, "Hey kid, you're the best I've seen." That ought to tell you the whole story right there. That's TP.
2: It makes me mad. I, I didn't get to appreciate that or watch him, you know, enough as a kid, because when you just, you don't appreciate it, you don't get to see it on TV. You know, if, if you could have gone, if I could have gone to some Braves games as a kid and watched him roam around out there, you know, that'd have been so cool.
1: I, uh, I am very glad that I got to see him both when I started covering the Marlins in 95 and then, uh, and then got here in 02 and he was still, you know, the best in the game when i got here in 02 still making those unbelievable catches. Yeah. So i got to see him play a whole lot when he was young and easily the best i've ever seen, easily. And i covered Devon White, you know, for a year in uh, Florida. a uh, few other really good center fielders and none of them even compare. And a lot of people said Devo, Devon White was great, you know, at the time was the best. A lot of people were comparing him. You know, when Andrew came along and said, Devo's still the best I've seen. No, not even close, man.
2: Well, that's how it was with Andrelton, too. You know, people were comparing him to Ozzy Smith. And people that hadn't seen him play on a daily basis really didn't want to hear that. But you get a chance to watch that guy play day in, day out. You know, I mean, I feel blessed to have even been able to watch that show in person as often as I did. You know, because that's, for me, that's probably the best shortstop I've ever seen. Oh, He's the best shortstop I've ever seen, but I don't know if he's the best ever or not. But... I haven't seen anybody that can do the things Simmons can do consistently on the baseball field. And I tried to go over to Oakland and tell the guys, dude, there was a debate in the outfield one day, you know, shagging BP. And, and they were saying Hechevarria might be the best in the game. They were going over who the shortstops were. And I was like, man, it's not even close. And yeah. everybody was kind of giving me attitude, like, you don't know what you're yeah. talking about." And I'm like, "I might not, but I know TP does, and I know you know Chipper Jones does, and they're all telling me that he's the best shortstop they've seen, and they're comparing him to Ozzy, saying he's you know he's up there, maybe better. Um, so I don't think there's anybody in the game that can compare with this guy right now. And then luckily, you know, he got he got traded over to LA a yeah. few years later, and I was getting texts from some of those guys, like, "All right, we get it now. <laughs> you got to see him every day, man. You got to see it. Him you got to watch it
1: play." Inning after inning after inning to see yeah. all the little stuff he did and the spectacular stuff he did. I mean, I just don't – I can't believe people that if they say – if there's another guy during his era that they say was better, then they just no. didn't see Angelton play. You
2: didn't watch him. You didn't watch him hold the tag on the runner every time they stood up for nine innings, 162 yeah. games a year. I mean, every single runner that ever gets to second base, he tries to get him, And he gets, what, one or two a year, he gets a guy that steps off the bag while he's holding the ball, and he gets an out it's because he tries it like 17,000 times. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you don't – people yeah. don't appreciate those things. You don't appreciate the the plays where he loses his balance and he's sitting on his ass and still able to reach over and barehand oh, the ball and throw across breath. the outfield. Like this, the things you see watching him every day. And that's kind of what I mean with Andrew too. Like, you know, I wish I would have gotten to see him every day so I could have the appreciation for him like I do for Simmons.
1: Yeah, I mean, le- realistically, th- I might have covered – Two guys that were the best at their positions, at least in the last half century, and maybe of all time. That's pretty yeah. crazy, man.
2: That You're really lucky.
1: And I know I did with Angleton. There's no doubt in my mind, because all I need to know is TP, who played next to Ozzie Smith, yeah. he played you know, 25 feet away from him, said that Angleton Simmons is Ozzie Smith with a stronger arm. You know? I mean,
2: you can't get a better compliment than that. And no, he'll be you can't. he'll be an interesting case too, you know. If, if he if he kind of puts up decent offensive numbers, and when he gets yeah, to that point, in- you know, in- th- he will be having would, that same debate.
1: Injury's the only thing that could keep him out of the Hall of Fame, you know, because it's yeah. prevented him from having that Gold Glove streak.
2: And he's had you know? a lot of injuries. He has his back had- all the time, but that's the same thing with Andrew too. Is yeah. he's laying out and he plays so hard and he tries to make plays that are impossible all year long. You know, yeah. like he dives for balls that. There's no way you're even going to get the guy if if you come up with it clean. And sometimes he does come up with it and fire 100 miles an hour. And he, you know the guy beats it by a step or two. And 90 percent of shortstops just let it roll into the outfield.
1: Remember how hard Angelton swings and how that ankle yeah. rolls? Uh, his ankle <laughs> yeah. rolls over like every swing, just about. Yeah, like it rolls over. You're like, how does it roll over like that? And not just like dislocate, snap. But if he swing, if he didn't swing so hard, maybe he wouldn't have the injuries he's had. But a lot of them have been, you know, from the offensive, from stuff, you know, in a box, coming out of the box, getting hit, you know, that kind of thing. Not many of them have been playing defense, although there have been a couple.
2: Diving, I mean, you get, you got to yeah. think diving's hard on the back. Yeah, but yeah,
1: no doubt. Yeah, he
2: plays. So he hard. doesn't. I mean, he only has one speed. It's it's max effort. Out. I played That's a the few, uh, video game against him once, a soccer video game. He just <laughs> held the turbo button the whole damn game. I was like, dude, you're, you're the same on this game as you are out on the field. That's the other thing is I told
1: people when they traded Andrelton. I'm like, beyond being the best shortstop I've ever seen, why you don't trade, you know, the guys the best at his position. Yeah. Period. Best at something. You just don't trade those guys. He was the guy, I said to people at the time, I've never been around a guy that wanted to win or that hated to lose more than this guy. He yeah. hated to lose. After a game, man, he looked like he was crushed when they lost, you know, wh- yeah. whether he did anything or not. He he just looked like he was hurting after losses.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what drives him to be great. You know, yeah. he, sometimes it can't just be all about you. It's it's, it's you got to have a bigger goal. He definitely does. I, I bet it's killing him to be out in L.A. next to Mike Trout, and they can't win.
1: Yeah. He's probably getting excited now, though. The new GM yeah, and new for things are sure. going to try to do. Yeah. I I, I think Perry's going to get it done out there. We're going to see, but I think he will. Uh, last guy on the list, Barry Zito. No. Another of the – you, I, I'm assuming you. You or No.
2: Yeah, he's a no. I mean he just didn't do it yeah. long enough. He, he had he had a pretty damn right. good stretch in Oakland.
1: What a curveball though. Oof.
2: So two of the Oakland, two of Oakland's big three are
1: on here. Not Mulder's the yeah. only one's not. <laughs> um so there's the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm looking at it. I've got about uh I don't know. I I have to go back through. I think about six guys I'm gonna vote for. You get up to ten, and I've used ten in recent years because there's been Arguably twelve you know in recent years, but and that's and I'm not even voting for a steroid guy, so um so I'll probably vote for about six of these guys, and we'll see it'll be interesting, man, I hope they get to have the ceremony because it really is in in danger, obviously, but they're already two they're already using you know they're already putting combining last year's with this year's if they have it, so if they don't yeah. have it, it's gonna be three years of guys, and Jeter's gonna be waiting a second year to go in. <laughs> You know, and those he's killing man. those all those fans that want to reserve houses and and places up in Cooperstown where you have to get a place early. All those Jeter fans, and uh, you know, who was it, Jeter? And uh, it's a great class. What was the other one? Why am I why am I drawing a blank? Uh, oh, Larry Walker, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, Larry Walker.
1: Jeter, Larry Walker. Is it just those two?
2: I'm not sure, man. It's been such a long year. I've <laughs> I can look for you. Look, yeah, Larry four. Walker,
1: Jeter and Larry Walker. Larry Walker. So they're going to have massive crowds there, obviously. Yeah. Well, people Canada coming down too. from people coming down from uh, Canada. Yeah, and then and then Jeter, all oh, the New Yorkers, obviously, you know. And then Larry Walker played for a cup for the, the Rockies, and they're going to have their fan base there. So, yeah. Anyway, so we'll see. So they're going to be combined with this year's class. Whoever gets in. Uh, moving on. We've got a uh, the, the, the the Drew Smiley signing. What was your first thought on that? My first thought was uh okay this is interesting. Then my second thought was after I looked at his numbers and what he did last year was oh yeah. Then I remembered how good he was for a while last year. It got lost in the shuffle cuz he's in San Francisco last year yeah. and they just weren't much they of they weren't a factor good. from yeah. yeah, they were okay for part of the year but uh you know he got hurt and when he came back, people had moved their focus onto other people. You know, he hurt a yeah. middle finger or index finger on his throwing hand, uh, but he really put up good numbers with him for his, you know, one month that he was healthy.
2: Well, I you know I was thinking that they were going to go that Wainwright route, but I think what, yeah, I think what A likes to do is just go for max potential on these one year deals. You know, yeah. like if he's going to take I'm a sorry. gamble and, and shoot for a guy, he just goes the highest upside possible. Yeah. Yeah. and Smiley's a guy that you know he's finally healthy. Uh, had some surgeries. I think he had Tommy John. Tommy and, John and
1: missed two years. Two years with Tommy John. Two,
2: yeah, years. but I, I think the big factor that makes a team feel good signing him was his velocity was up. And you know, yeah. velocity's not everything, but it's just a it's a sign that everything's working well and, and you're healthy is when your velocity's up.
1: And for a guy who's 31 to have yeah. a, for an uptick in velocity about two miles an hour, two and a half miles an hour last year. Yeah,
2: that's not a fluke. He's
1: obviously made an adjustments and doing things differently now because he's got, he always had a good curveball, but he junked the change up and, and focused on the curveball last year. And his spin rate is up there. The Braves are going to have two of the best curveballs in baseball next year. Yeah. In that rotation.
2: Yeah. Two lefties. You know, just, I wouldn't throw them back to back. So you give yeah. them different looks, but that's you not know, him and Max would be able to play off each other too, but. Yeah, these- I, mean, I I don't think it's a it's a bad signing at all for I mean 10 million seemed high for me at first but that's what 11 uh, 11 million it only seemed high because I thought this offseason was going to be so bad and it is right. it is pretty damn slow but I didn't think uh, guys were going to get anything realistic at all I thought it was going to be higher all that anybody numbers, projected but, but Yeah yeah I didn't think anybody be getting more than they expected
1: but like you said Alex is really aggressive with these guys and goes for the upside So they are willing to go out early in the market and maybe maybe if they end up overpaying, they're willing to take that risk. Like they did with Donaldson when they gave him a lot of people said, you're going to give Donaldson the same amount of money made last year when he was hurt almost the entire season. You know what I mean? Then Azuna, they gave him, you know, the same, they gave him a little more than the qualifying offer that, that he turned down. So, but it worked out splendidly for both. It didn't with Hamels, obviously.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, they say there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, and A yeah. definitely, I mean, he, I think he believes in that.
1: So this guy had a 3-4-2 ERA in seven games, including five starts, but he had 42 strikeouts, nine walks, two homers allowed, and in 26 in the third innings. Hitters hit 198 against him with a 261 OBP and a 297 slugging percentage. That's all career he, best.
2: And a one whip. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's pretty dominant.
1: So he started the season in their bullpen, made two appearances, both against the Dodgers, They made his first start, uh, left after four innings with a strained finger. That was August 1st. Didn't return until September 10th. But when he did come back, had eight strikeouts in a four-inning relief appearance against the Padres, while allowing two hits and a walk. Then he moved into the rotation, stayed there the rest of the way. He had eight strikeouts in three and two-thirds innings of a start against Seattle, his first one. First start after he moved into rotation. Then he had five, and he had back to back his best and longest outings of the season. He had five and a 30 innings, one run ball, 92 pitches against the Rockies. Finished with a 10 strikeout, one walk performance against the Padres, who were in the throes of the playoff race at that time. Gave up three hits and two runs.
2: Well, think about you know, who I think about is Rich Hill. Because Rich Hill had had a ton of injuries and, and never really put up those big numbers. And then th- he, he got called up with Boston and just had a good August. Uh huh. And Oakland wound up giving him, I think six or 10 million. And everybody's kind of like, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, but that, that's where scouting is so important. And a team sees something in you that, that they really like. And if it turns into a deal like that, Rich Hill was a steal that next year for six mil. So it'd be great if, if, you know, what he's, what he's showing toward the end of the season, if he can back it up next year, it would turn into a, just a steal.
1: And uh, another guy that you know, they're not going to sign a guy to be a uh, to be a uh, a de facto coach or to be a second coach out in you know with these young guys. But it helps when you got those intangibles. And this is another guy, even more so than Hamels, I think, who really outgoing, personable, and learned. When he was coming up, he went to the World Series. He went to the playoffs first two years in the majors with the Tigers just out of uh, uh, college, right? Yeah. Pitched in a World Series his uh, first year. And he learned from Scherzer and from Verlander. Those are the guys that were in when he broke in. And he said he learned a ton from those guys. Yeah. And he's ready to do that same stuff. You know, he said, he goes, I knew the Braves were young, but I didn't realize how young they were until Alex told me how young this, each of the starters were. Yeah. You know, all rookies last year except Freed, you know, and Soroka, obviously. So you start see excited that too much it. with
2: playoff teams. You know, it used no. to be you had this established staff. Crazy. But, I man. mean, they, they are established. You know what you're getting out of them at this point, especially a couple of dudes.
1: So, yeah, in those four September games after coming off the IL, Smiley had a 3.50 ER, 191 opponents average. 31 strikeouts, five walks, two homers allowed in 18 innings. 31 Ks in 18 innings.
2: That's pretty damn good.
1: Huge spin rate on the curve. Uh, fastball was average career best 93.8 last year. That's pretty impressive. It was up two and a half, 2.6 miles an hour over 2019. Um, Alex said our approach the last few years has been to be specific and to target certain guys and to be aggressive when we can get those guy, those things done you know, making those early moves like they did last year when they went out and got uh, Will Smith. And then they got Darno. He compared him to Darno, in fact. The age, the fact that they thought each is coming off a a, a year that portended to br- a breakthrough kind of thing. He thinks that, like Darno, that Will Smith, or uh, Smiley's entering his prime late, that he's just going to start to have his best years. He thinks he's going to have two or three really good years coming up, like just like Darno.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's... The hardest thing to tell is when guys are saying, you know, I'm finally healthy, it's, it's easy to have like, you know, a good month and say, well, that's because I'm finally healthy or if they're going to be able to stay healthy, you know, like wow. the, the the finally healthy guy is it's a red flag because he's finally healthy, you know, like he's gone through so right. many different injuries and stuff. I mean, this year, the finger thing is kind of a fluke thing that doesn't really scare right. you, but missing two years with Tommy John is scary. Um, I mean, there's definitely some risk here, but it's not that big a risk for, for what you could possibly get if he's if he's back to putting up those numbers he's putting up.
1: Yeah, and the Tommy John, the good thing is normally you don't have a, a – he had it relatively late, and you normally don't have it again that soon. I know there's exceptions like Chris Medlin, obviously. Yeah. But normally it's like kind of like Venters, you know, where he had it. I think Johnny had it in high school or first Johnny year had out. had it, I think, first year really out.
2: early in the minors, like maybe oh four or
1: And then not again for like, what, eight years, something like yeah.
2: that? Yeah. Yeah, normally, I mean, I think it, it does buy you a lot of time. Some guys, there's a freak thing, but that's why I think that for me, that's why the velocity is so important because most of the guys that are going to have it again, they never look the same in the first place. You know, like they, yeah. there's something going on in the first place where their mechanics still look jacked up or the ball is not coming out of their hand the same. Um, a guy that gets his full velocity back normally makes you feel pretty good about it.
1: So last year, the official strikeout leaders, uh, strikeouts per nine innings were Tampa Bay, two from Tampa Bay. Nick Anderson, 14.33, and Tyler Glass now, 14.28. Shane Bieber had 14.20 per nine innings. Jacob deGrom had 13.76. Trevor Bauer, for those interesting, he was 12.33, and you know what a strikeout machine he was. Yeah. Okay. Smiley didn't quite have the innings to qualify, or he would have led all of them. 14.35 strikeouts per nine innings.
2: Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's Kimbrel. That's that's Kimbrel's strikeout rate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I went and looked since he didn't have the innings to qualify. I went and looked at the guys that were ahead of the only guy who faced as many as 110 batters and had a higher strikeout rate rate than uh, than uh, Smiley was Freddie Peralta at 14.42. 40, that's the only guy that faced as many batters and had a higher strikeout rate.
2: Damn.
1: So we'll see, but. Could be a real good signing. And the thing is, I, what I like about it is, it doesn't block any of these young guys because it's not multi-year.
2: Yes. You
1: know, it's not a guy coming off an injury like Hamill's had, where Hamill's had who was coming off a shoulder injury, you know? He had yeah, two he was injuries the, the same last
2: year. Yeah.
1: No. You know, he ended the season injured. And yeah. then came to camp injured. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know?
1: So, and he's 37. This guy's 31. Had the index finger thing now last year. But, you know, I – I think the risk reward is pretty substantial with this guy. Uh, And the other thing is you're not in a position where you were a year ago when you signed Hamels is you were relying on him. Right. They don't need him. No. Worst case scenario, you've got enough guys to fill out a formidable rotation as it is, you know, but he could make you a lot better.
2: Yeah. He could. Well, there's, there's still guys that, you're counting on Kyle Wright to be the good Kyle Wright. You saw, right. you know, you're, Bryce you're, Wilson. you're you're hoping Bryce Wilson's the guy that showed up in the playoffs, but there's still there's still plenty of question marks. Soroka this is a nice, healthy? Yeah, it's a nice blend where he can be in your staff until Soroka's back, and those guys can kind of fight out and and figure out you know where they're at and what they can do until Soroka comes back, and then it, it makes that decision once once that all wraps up. You've kind of seen what you're going to get out of some other guys before Soroka comes back, but this guy can kind of fill that that void too. This so guy, it's a nice blend.
1: This guy could potentially be as good or better number four starter as anybody in the league, if he does what yeah. he did last year, and if they get what they got last year out of Freed and Ian Anderson and Soroka is Soroka when he comes back, then I could see yeah. Smiley at number four. I mean, that's yes. that's a hell of a number
2: four. Maybe they're planning for another COVID uh, playoff.
1: Yeah. How about if you <laughs> no how about if, off? How about if you had when Soroka's healthy? How about if you had Soroka Freed? Ian Anderson, Smiley. So you separate the lefties.
2: Yep, yeah. I mean, that's probably how you lay it out too.
1: And then you got, and you got either uh, a ton of candidates
2: for that fifth spot. Yeah,
1: Kyle Wright or Wilson. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that man. Yeah, potentially. And you, and what you like about it too is. You don't have to worry about injuries with those young guys the way you do with older guys who are starting to you know kind of break down a little bit. Most of those young guys should be really good next year. You know, Soroka, Soroka was a freak thing; it was Achilles. None of yeah. those guys have had arm problems.
2: No, but this freak you was know, years you, ago. I, I think it would be a little scary not signing anybody and going oh, into yeah. it. You know what I mean? I totally so. agree. So this is it's a nice blend of of having some certainty and a guy that you think's healthy and going to help you and, and until Soroka comes back and then you yeah. you make some little harder decisions but you know it gives it gives Wright and uh, Wilson a chance to kind of fight out that fifth spot too
1: yeah yeah it's kind of like what you went into last year before the bottom just fell out when you yeah. had. Six guys going for five spots, and you're like, "Oh, how are you going to fit these six guys in?" (laughs) Well, you ended up not being a problem. Those
2: those things work themselves out.
1: But you had six, and you have six this time. You know, at least you know you have you have six quality guys, and I'm sure they're going to add somebody before you know spring training too, because you're about to have some guys get non-tendered, and they're going to be available too. That's going to be December second, the non-tender date.
2: That's going to be a massacre. I think so too. I just think some that's of the, the guys right. you've seen get, you know, released or waived or their options denied. Anybody, I think anybody fringe, especially with all the COVID stuff still not really sorted out. I think anybody fringe where it's a tough decision, they're just going to opt for smelly later.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so the Braves, uh, you know, this would have been a year where they would have had a whole lot of decisions. Last week was the deadline to add guys to the 40-man roster, Friday was. And 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 before last year, you thought the Braves are gonna have quite a few guys they're gonna make these tough calls on. But as it turned out, they ended up using all these guys last year. So, you know, yeah. the guys, the guys that you would have had to, you really don't they're either on the 40 now or you know, you, you didn't bottom line, you didn't have many left. And Kyle Muller was the one kind of exception, the guy you obviously had to add to the 40 because he needed to be protected or he would have been poached six foot, seven left-hander throws a hundred miles an hour, you know? Yeah. He's going to get picked up if he didn't. So they added him last week to the 40 uh, and they're still only at 38 on the 40 man roster. So they can add, they signed this guy. Uh, they signed a uh, kind of a journeyman type uh, utility guy. Another pretty good signing. I think uh, Jack Mayfield from the Astros that
2: okay.
1: he had, what jumped off the page to me, he's thirty years old. He was off he, he, he was uh out of out of options. So the Astros uh no, no, not out of options, but the Astros uh waived him. So the Braves picked him up. So he gives you him and Camargo both have options left, so they can be sent down to triple A. And the thing is, this guy he hasn't done anything in the big leagues, but he hasn't he's not played hardly any at all in the big leagues. A couple of brief appearances the last two years, 112 total played appearances with the Astros. Haven't done much at all. But two years ago, Triple A round rock, he hit 287 with 26 home runs and a 916 OPS in 100 games. So there's obviously some some juice there in that bat. So that's interesting signing. He's not, He gives you another utility guy because right now Charlie's not on the team. You know, he left as a... Uh, minor league free agent because he went, he didn't take a triple-A assignment. Brace could bring him back as a if he doesn't have another offer, which I, I expect they probably will. I think, will. He, yeah. Yeah, he will. But this nice guy to add, another guy along those lines, former OU guy, University of Oklahoma guy. But shortstop, second, third base. Can't have too many of those guys, especially if you don't but, have that a of Chavarria.
2: You just never know when one of those guys is going to turn into Max Muncie. You know, I mean, yeah. I think every team's yeah. got to pick those guys up. But I remember I was in Oakland with Max Muncie, and I thought he sucked. <laughs> yeah, I just that uh, he, he barely got in. And when he got in, he didn't do well. And it's just there's these guys that just never it never clicks at the big league level. Then all of a sudden, two years later, I'm watching TV and he's in L.A. and he's hitting 35 homers after hitting 186 when we were teammates. You know, it's. That you just—you never crazy. know. So I—I yeah. I think you—you know—if you, you know, if you've got to trust your scouts and always be trying to make these little moves, because every once in a while one of them hits and you get a superstar out of it.
1: Guys, let's take a quick break
2: and then we'll finish up the show.
1: The uh, you know, the rules we talked about the rules that we liked. Jason Stark did yeah. a thing this week on the rule because it was pretty much a you know, that's a popular opinion across baseball. Is a lot of guys traditionalists, old school people like myself ended up liking a lot of these rules, like the runner at second base and the seven inning double headers and um, what else? But the one that the one that nobody likes, it seems like a minimum. Three batter minimum because it didn't really do any of the stuff that they talked about it doing. You know, it didn't quicken the pace of the games. You know, it didn't stop guys from making a lot, uh, a lot of pitching changes within an inning. What was your thoughts on that? On, on I know it's hard to judge it in the in the uh, COVID year. Yeah,
2: well, I just it's hard to judge it because there's so many pitching changes anyway. Yeah, you know, all the teams are taking their starters out in the fourth inning anyway. You know it. I, I, you know, my thought is it's definitely a buzzkill. You know, you, you're playing a September game and it's the game's going along or even the playoffs, right? When the game starts to get interesting and then you got to take all these commercial breaks, you know, just, just from the standpoint of watching the game on TV, I get that aspect of it. Not wanting these commercial breaks because when that lefty trots out of the bullpen to face one hitter and you see, you know, a minute and a half of action over six minutes at the biggest, most crucial point of the game, I get that it's a Mm buzzkill, but I just I don't think it makes any difference, you know, for pace of play because... The game's just there's too many moves anyway. You're taking the starters out, you're making all these moves, relievers. I think the strike zone's too tight. They're they're bitching about every single call back and forth, um, all game long. Every game has just turned into Red Sox Yankees anyway, um, with that bats that everybody has. I just I don't know that I just feel like MLB's just playing gimmick roulette, trying to speed up these games, and I just don't know if there's a way to do it other than opening up the strike zone and basically telling everybody to shut up and play ball.
1: I think the reason why it's tough to judge part of that this year in the COVID rule, uh, COVID year, is because you had expanded rosters. So you had more pitchers. So guys were making more pitching changes because they could. So I think you probably need a normal year to be able to judge the rule, uh, you know, whether, you know, it achieved what you had hoped it would. It's kind of tough to judge it this year, but I don't like it. But you know what it had? Effect of. Uh, guys like Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper not having to face yeah. as many left-handed relievers this year. Yeah. the percentage was pretty interesting. Um, Bryce Harper went from 39.2% in 2018 to 37.4% in t- 2019 to 21.6% this year. Freddie's case it wasn't nearly as much of a drop. Jason Stark had this in his column. Freddie was 39.2% in 2018, 30% in 2019, 28.2% this year. But obviously with a guy Did like they Freddy, have the
2: three batter minimum last year? They no. didn't have it, right? No, it this is the first year. year. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder why uh, he faced less anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. Why that? Uh, well, still think.
2: having Donaldson behind him probably discouraged teams from, you know, making that move in the first place.
1: Hey, hey, just uh, I, I saw a couple more of my notes here before we wrap it up. Andrew Jones, I saw a great stat from Ryan Spader, the stats guru. This is incredible. Okay. There's been six seasons where a center fielder had 25, def- at least 25 defensive runs saved and 25 home runs. Six in history. Andrew Jones had four of them. That's Damn. insane, man. <laughs> that is crazy.
2: Damn. <laughs> Who had the other two?
1: That's, you know, he didn't have that who had the other two. It's got to be Willie Mays, right? Because they go back and yeah. do it retroactively. The defend It has to be. Um, You know, only one I can think is Griffey. Griffey could have had him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: So it has to be those. I I can't think of anybody else that might have had him. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like you were talking about diving and all that stuff. The guy that, the ultimate guy was Jim Edmonds. Remember how many oh, times yeah. Jim Edmonds
2: the, dove? Because he'd slow down.
1: <laughs> he was always hurt, too. Yeah. Um, Tim Hudson, I saw I had, I had jotted down a couple of things, man. Tim Hudson was better than some people think, man. This guy, uh, he, had, uh, he had, he had, he had, the consecutive 16-win seasons with the Braves before he broke his ankle in, in, in that short in 2013. Remember that when he broke his ankle when he got oh, stepped yeah. on first? That was That nasty. was brutal. That was nasty. Yeah. And we thought he was done, and he came back and had the hell of a year. Or yeah. Went to, went to the Giants and won a World Series. Anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Hoodie. I just hate that Fred McGriff is not on the ballot now. That just still seems criminal to me. And, and, and it's been years now that uh, – since Murph fell off the ballot. So, and that's I up think, to the era. committee. Do you think the committee gets them both in? I do think so. I think McGriff for sure. They already had a chance with Murph, and I was astounded that he didn't even get like, it didn't even come close still with the Veterans Committee. I just don't get it, man. I don't get it at all. I don't get it, but I think McGriff will. I just don't, I don't see how you keep McGriff out. I really don't. But, um, oh, but talking about the three-battle rule. A couple of quotes that uh, Jason had in here. Terry Francona said, I hate it more than he did before the season started. Uh, <laughs> Joe Girardi said, if the commissioner is listening, this is the dumbest rule that's, that we've ever put in because it changes the strategy of the game. Yeah, He said, I still think the beauty of the game is the chess match. The beauty of the game really starts with the players and what they're able to do. So now once you have these ultra-talented players, then you start to get into the second beauty of the game. And I think that's the strategy, and I'm all for every rule change in our game as long as it doesn't change the strategy. But I think this change this change really changed the strategy.
2: Well, yeah, you saw the uh, numbers. If,
1: yeah, if it says supposed to help the hitters, if it uh, Girardi said, and if they said it was to add offense, I'd say they may accomplish that. <laughs> Yeah. So there's no doubt it did. did do yeah, that. but
2: that's the whole, that's the whole predicament the league's in anyways. They're trying to find offense and have more offense in a faster game. And it, it just doesn't and work a like less that.
1: Less chaotic moving movements and all that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you wanted faster games, just open up the strike zone, be really fast, you know, the, the back and forth. When I came up in the league, a fastball down and away at the knees, an inch or two off the plate was an automatic strike. And now guys get ejected over pitches that are a centimeter off the plate. You know, that's what drags (laughs) the game out.
1: No doubt. And enforce the rule between uh, pitch time between pitches and don't let guys roam around and adjust their batting gloves after every single pitch. Don't let some pitchers stalk around the mound, especially some closers, after every pitch. It's just drama, you know? Yeah. Every pitch is drama.
2: See, I tried to do the opposite. I didn't want to think. I, I was telling – I was golfing with these guys the other day, and we were, we were talking about some baseball stuff, and I asked – I told them, I was like, you know how many times I shook during my career? And they were expecting, like, me to be this really thoughtful, like, answer. I was like, yeah. one time, and it was because J.C. Boscon <laughs> was filling in for BMAC, and it, I just – I knew it was the wrong pitch. I shook once in my whole career. The rest of the time, I just got on the mound and threw the ball.
1: Man, you know the ultimate to me? I know there's been guys that have been a slow – the guy that stands out to me – both because Bias. of the time he took, and the time he took, and the way he stared in over his glove and all this stuff, it was just the Papelbon show. Oh yeah, I couldn't stand watching Papelbon. Yeah, the game would be flying along two hours through eight, you know, eight innings, and then Papelbon comes in, and it's like, oh god, here we go. It was just a drama. Every pitch was drama. It's like, dude, just pitch. I don't know how guys man, do that. God drove me crazy. It's too much time God to drive, think. God drove me crazy.
2: Yeah, he yeah. he drove a lot of people crazy. I think I heard he's pretty funny guy, but man, you if if it if you strike out the side and it takes nine minutes, <laughs> I need you to I need you to speed <laughs> it up.
1: There was a time that him and <laughs> Bryce Harper got yeah. to fight. Everybody's like, I don't know who to pull for. <laughs> <laughs> that was an all timer. Anyway, all right, man. That's it for now. We got plenty more we'll talk about next week on this thing. Uh, as, as, uh, it's gonna be a slow Thanksgiving week, probably, yeah. but you never know. Copy once made a signing on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> so we'll see. Not many guys are like Copy, though. Uh, We'll be back. We'll be back. We're going to stay with you all all off season. We'll talk about all this shit that goes down, and we got the uh, got some good stuff coming up. Interesting stuff.
2: All right, sounds good. Interesting stuff.